This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me. As always, the NFL Draft Recap Shows continue division by division. This is part seven of this eight-part mini-podcast series that we're doing here at Saturday, Sunday. Up next is the AFC South. If you have missed any of the first six parts of this series, please go back and listen to them. I started with the four NFC divisions and then pivoted over to the AFC, where where episode five of this eight-part series was the AFC East. And then the most recent episode was the AFC North. Tonight, I'll be breaking down the AFC South going through each of the four teams in the AFC South. I'll kick it off with the Texans, then follow it up with the Colts, then the Jaguars, and then last but not least, the Tennessee Titans. So let's get right into it. Uh, We'll kick it off with the Houston Texans draft. And I got to be honest with you, some places were down on the Texans draft. I kind of liked what they did. I, I was a fan overall of what they did with this draft, a couple things maybe a, a question, but third pick overall, they take the guy maybe arguably with the highest ceiling in the class. That's LSU cornerback Derek Stingley. His 2019 freshman film is better than any player in this entire draft. So if we think he can get back to that, I could understand why they make the investment taking Stingley over Sauce Gardner, taking Stingley over the offensive lineman, over another pass rusher. I could see why the Texans went with Derek Stingley in terms of they know they're not one piece away, and they look at Stingley. My guess is you got some New England connections there with Casero. I think they look at Stingley and probably think he could be like a Stephon Gilmore type, a shutdown man corner with high upside, so that's why he was the pick. They made a small trade back. I think it was from pick 12 – no, pick 13 to 15 – and at pick 15, they selected Texas A&M offensive guard Kenyon Green. Uh, Kenyon Green uh, was a guy that, yeah, maybe it was a little early for him, but he was the best offensive lineman, I think, left on the board. I personally liked him better than uh, the tackle Trevor Penny. So I like Kenyon Green. He was a guy that a little bit of a roller coaster in the pre-draft process. Like once upon a time, he was around one lock. Then there was some injury concerns that people thought maybe he was going to uh, you know, slide out around one. But obviously, uh, if you were reading the tea leads, Lance Zerline, who's all over the Houston you know, Texans info, he said that he thought they were going to come out of that first round with Stingley and Kenyon Green. So he nailed it. Uh, Kenyon Green you know, is a guy that I think he's a plug-and-play, long-term starter on that offensive line. Top of the second round, I picked 37 overall. I took one of my favorite players in the draft, Baylor safety, Jalen Petrie. Uh, safety, nickelback, linebacker, star position, hybrid position, whatever you want, he can do it. Also in the second round, they traded up to pick 44. They took Alabama wide receiver John Mechie. Listen, I know people are down on John Mechie. If he doesn't get injured, I think he could legitimately push to be a late round one pick. To me, he reminds me so much of Robert Woods. Uh, He's a guy who, yeah, there's nothing flashy, flashy, but he's a good route runner. He's got really good hands. He's shifty. He's quick. He's got good ball skills. I like John Mechie. I think he's going to be a long-term starter there. I think he compliments Brandon Cooks and Nico Collins well. I really like the John Mechie pick. Uh, 
Third round pick 75 overall. He took Alabama linebacker Christian Harris. Fourth round pick 107. They took Florida running back Damian Pierce. Fifth round, they took Stanford defensive tackle Thomas Booker. Later in the fifth round, they took Oregon State tight end Tegan Quintarino. In the sixth round, they took LSU offensive tackle Austin DeCoulis. In terms of my favorite picks, I already talked about Jalen Petrie was not only one of my favorite picks for the Texans. He was one of my favorite picks in the entire draft. So I love the Petrie pick. I like the Stingley pick. Yes, I slightly preferred Sauce Gardner, but there wasn't a big gap between them, and I understand why going for Stingley. Those are my favorite picks. In terms of value pick, um, I would say probably Christian Harris. In terms of uh, the third round, if he would have went early to mid-second round, I wouldn't have been stunned. I thought Christian Harris had that sideline, you know, athleticism, cover skills, range, uh, the modern-day linebacker. I think Christian Harris kind of fits, so I thought he was probably the best value. Uh, although Thomas Booker in round five was good value. And Damian Pierce, I could have put him on my favorite picks. He was a guy who was like my seventh or eighth best running back. I thought in this draft class, a lot of people were even higher on him than I was. I think he could step right in there and be a part-time starter or split the committee down the backfield uh, You know, with the other guys they have there. I, I really think Pierce is, is going to be a good player for them. So I like that. In terms of the most questionable decisions, listen, I get the Kenyon Green. I like the Kenyon Green, but if I'm – going to say you what could you question and, and they could have maybe pivoted there they could have pivoted to a different position a position of more value maybe they could have tried to slightly trade down again so while, while I don't have any issues with Kenyon Green and I like the player and I understand them just getting the best offensive line on the board a long-term starter listen some people are always going to say picking the guard at 15 just is not enough positional value maybe they could have traded down again maybe we don't know that for a fact though um I think if he's a long-term plug-and-play starting offensive guard that's above average to good or all pro or, you know, I think he's going to be good. I I don't see a way that he fails being a a guard at the next level. So I think he's going to be somewhere between good, very good, or great, uh, a long-term starter. So, yeah, while you can question it a little bit because it's a guard at pick 15 and maybe they could have went to a different position because they have so many holes, I I don't hate the pick at all. So overall, loved what the Texans did. you know, and I think it's the, the start of them maybe turning things around there uh, with that Texans team. If we take it next to the Indianapolis Colts, they did not have a first round for the horrific Carson Wentz trade that luckily they were able to get out of it and salvage, getting some solid picks back from Washington this year. Uh, but in the second round, they took Cincinnati wide receiver Alec Pierce at pick 53. The pick they got uh, in the third round, a pick 73, they took Virginia tight end Jelani Woods. Later in the third round, a pick 77 overall, they took Central Michigan offensive tackle Bernard Raymond. Later in the third round pick, a pick 96, they took Maryland safety Nick Cross. In the fifth round, they took Missouri State defensive tackle Eric Johnson. In the sixth round, they took Youngstown State tight end Andrew Ogletree. In the sixth round, they took Cincinnati defensive tackle Curtis Brooks. And then they rounded it out in the seventh round with Yale safety Rodney Thomas. In terms of my favorite picks, my favorite and value picks overlapped. I love the Bernard Raymond pick in round and Nick Cross pick in round three. To me, if Bernard Raymond went late round one or top five, 10 picks in round two, if he went somewhere between like 27 and 40, I would not have been surprised. I know he's a little bit older, but he's a tackle. Even if he's 25 years old when the year starts, if you get, you know, four to seven good years out of him, that's still worth the second round pick. So 
I thought Raymond should have went round two. I was surprised he fell to pick 77. I think he gives them exactly what they need on that offensive line. Uh, I really liked that pick and thought it was great value. Nick Cross, I mean, we had heard, I think it was Peter Schrager at some point in the pre-draft process said guys who were climbing up draft boards, and he mentioned Nick Cross's name, and there was a lot of people who thought he might not get out of round two. So the fact that he didn't go round two, he didn't go in the 50s or 60s, and if he did, nobody would have really been surprised as Nick Cross is better is one of the better deep high safeties in this draft class with his athleticism, his range. To get him at pick 96, I think he's a long-term starter there. So I think Raymond's a starter. I think Nick Cross is a starter. Uh, I like the Jelani Woods picks. I had to pivot it to a different tight end, like Jeremy Ruckert. But I, but I could see the appeal of Jelani Woods. Big upside, probably as, as much upside of any of the tight ends in this class. Uh, Alec Pierce, you know, there might have been one or two wide receivers that I slightly liked more than him. I would have probably taken Sky Moore over him. But I, I get it. He, they look at him as a guy. They like drafting traits. Alec Pearson, explosive tester. They probably envision him and Michael Pittman being their outside wide receivers, you know, for the next period of time. Um, in terms of things that I question a little bit, you know, I thought they could have made, invested a little bit better in those late round guys, guys with a little bit more upside maybe to hit. They they took another tight end in tight end, Andrew Ogletree. That they could have maybe took a different shot there, maybe another wide receiver, uh, added to the running back room. I thought there were better values there. And then in the seventh round, I know it was late, but sa- safety Rodney Thomas to me looks like a core special team or practice squad player. There were a couple other guys there I liked a little bit more, maybe take a developmental quarterback behind Matt Ryan. A couple other things that I, I thought maybe they would have done, uh, you know, slightly different. So we'll see. But all in all, I think the Colts had a pretty solid draft. When you talk about they also used one of their third-round picks to trade for Matt Ryan. I thought it was uh, yeah, a strong showing by the Colts. If we keep this going, next up is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Obviously, they had the first pick in the entire draft. They went with Georgia defensive lineman slash edge player Trayvon Walker. They traded back up from early portion of round two to late round one to take Utah linebacker Devin Lloyd. In the third round, they took Kentucky center Luke Fortner. In the third round, later on, a pick seven, they took Wyoming linebacker Chad Muma. In the fifth round, they took Ole Miss running back Snoop Connor. In the sixth round, uh, at a Ochita Baptist, they took cornerback Greg Jr. In the seventh round, they took Arkansas cornerback Monterick Brown. Listen, this draft is going to kind of be this – it's going to be based on what is Trayvon Walker. Is he a great run-stuffing defensive end edge player who's going to be a average pass rusher like he was in college? At bet and that, saying average is, is general is generous. Then this is going to be a colossal failure passing on the short double ten sack guy probably named Hutchinson. But I get it. I, I do like Trayvon Walker. If I had to make the pick in a vacuum. I would have taken Trayvon Walker too. I would have swung for defenses. I think he was held back by this defensive scheme and this draft class just lacked elite and star power. I think Trayvon Walker, if the pass rush is there and he develops it, he could be one of the, he could be the premier elite player in this entire draft. So I get the Jaguars taking it maybe where they are as a franchise. They should have just won with the shorter thing in in Hutchinson. But I don't blame them for taking the swing at the guy who could be the best player in, in this draft with the highest ceiling and not just be the best player in the draft, but be like an elite level player at the next level. And this draft was kind of lacking those. Uh, my favorite pick was the trade up for Devin Lloyd. If 
you know, listen, if Devin Lloyd tested slightly better at the combine, I think you're talking about a guy who could have went in like the 15 to early 20s range. So he slipped a little bit, I think, because of the time speed at the combine. But he's a do-it type all linebacker. He can blitz. He can play sideline to sideline. He's got cover skills. He can stop the run. Uh, So I really like the Devin Lloyd pick. I know they had to trade a little bit to get up, but they didn't trade too much there. So I like that. Favorite value pick? I think was Chad Muma. Now, I do have questions about they invested, you know, in a big-time free agent acquisition linebacker. Then they took Devin Lloyd. Then they took Chad Muma. It seems like a lot of resources in terms of free agent dollars and then a first and a third-round pick at the linebacker position that I heard people saying, do we maybe envision a scenario where they use Devin Lloyd a little bit more like the Cowboys use Michael Parsons in terms of doing a lot, a little bit of everything and using him a little bit more as an edge player? Maybe that's part of the plan or they just didn't want to pass on the value of Chad Muma because I get it. If Chad Muma would have went to pick 45 or 50, I don't think anybody would have been surprised. So going to pick 70, I thought was tremendous value. My biggest question by far I know some people say it's the Trayvon Walker thing, and I get it, but I could, I already made my justification why I don't think it's crazy. Uh, for me, it's Luke Fortner in the third round. I just thought Pitt 65 was a little early for that. I understand maybe they wanted a center and he was their highest center on the board, but you know, to me, you know, you could have traded back then and maybe got Fortner in the fourth round, or if you lost out on him, you could have got Zach Tom, even if you traded to a little bit later in the third round. I just don't know if that was reading the board, you know, well in terms of the centers that were available. I thought you you reached a little bit there going early third round. The first pick in the third round on Luke Fortner seemed a little rich. Uh, I also like, you know, I, I could have mentioned it before. I also do like Arkansas cornerback Monterick Brown. I think he could be a guy that develops into a role player, uh, you know, in that secondary. Snoop Connor, yeah, he's okay. Uh, with James Robinson there, you know, I'm not seeing a, a role for Snoop Connor. You know, but maybe, you know, Robinson's been injured. Charles Heathen's been injured. So maybe it's just adding a guy there. But I thought there was other places they could have went in the fifth round. You know, I'm surprised they didn't invest in the wide receiver just to give more weapons. They could have looked at some of the tight ends as well. I know they signed Evan Ingram, but it was just a one-year deal. So there were a couple of things they could have done in, in a couple of spots that I that I think I would have liked their draft a little bit more. Uh but this draft will be defined by Walker and his upside. And if it hits the massive ceiling, then, then this draft's going to be a big success for them. If he doesn't, and Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau are clearly better players than him, then this is going to be another thing that people look at and say the Jaguars messed it up again. You know, long litany of times that they've, they've messed things up in the draft. If we keep this going to round out the division, it is the... Tennessee Titans. Obviously, everything starts with them trading A.J. Brown during the draft for pick 18 and a third-round pick. So with that pick 18, which they acquired by trading A.J. Brown, they take my number two wide receiver in the class, a guy who I have comped to A.J. Brown coming out of college. Listen, if you watch A.J. Brown's college film and you watch – Traylon Burks' college film, and you don't think there's a similarity between them, I'm not sure what you're watching. Was A.J. Brown a little bit more refined? For sure. But A.J. Brown, while he was my number one wide receiver that year, most people thought he was a second-round pick. So obviously he wasn't this completely clean, flawless prospect. There were question marks about him. And I don't think he was as refined as people are saying now because they're taking into account what he turned into. Most people, when A.J. Brown came out, thought he was a big slot. 
they thought he couldn't win outside, which is a lot of the same things that people are questioning about Traylon Burks. He's not a defined route runner, he's, and he's not. But that was the same thing. So, like, when people are saying, I, I, I don't see it, I think they're wrong. I, I think they're, you know, honestly, I respect a lot of people's opinion, but I, I think they're trying to base it on what A.J. Brown became at the NFL and not who and what A.J. Brown was you know, coming out of Ole Miss. Because coming out of Ole Miss, there were major question marks about whether A.J. Brown could play outside. There were major question marks about whether he was a really good route runner or he just used his size and physicality and his play strength to bully people at the catch point and then collect yak after the catch because of that size and physicality. D.K. Metcalf had his role. A.J. Brown had his role. They had another guy on the outside who got drafted too. I'm, I'm drawing a blank on his name right now and had his role. So, Traylon Burks, the same things people were saying about A.J. Brown when A.J. Brown came out, they're the same things we were saying about Traylon Burks. The difference was A.J. Brown was a unanimous second-round pick by most people, even though he was my favorite wide receiver, while Traylon Burks is almost a, a universal first-round pick. Daniel Jeremiah, he was been on record since last summer saying that he he thought the same thing that I thought, that Traylon Burks reminded him very much of A.J. Brown coming out of school. Uh they had another first round pick their own. They traded out of it and they fell back to the beginning of the second round. I picked 35 overall and picked up some other draft capital. They took cornerback Roger McCreary, really interesting player, great ball skills, great cover skills, really short length though. The question is, will he have to play inside in the nickel or could he play outside in the third round pick 69 overall? They took Ohio state offensive lineman, Nicholas Petit Ferrer. In the third round, I pick 86. They took Liberty quarterback Malik Willis, my number one quarterback in this draft class. In the fourth round, they took Michigan running back Hassan Haskins to pick 131. In the fourth round, they took one at 143, Maryland tight end Shig Okonkwo. In the fifth round, they took UCLA wide receiver Kyle Phillips. And then in the sixth round, they had a pair of picks. They took Tennessee safety Theo Jackson and Ole Miss linebacker Chance Campbell. Let's start with the, the bad. I would not have traded A.J. Brown. I don't get it. I understand he wanted to be paid. I understand you can find cheap wide receivers in the draft. But A.J. Brown is literally the dream. When you draft a guy in the second round, you do not have expectations of him becoming a top five or seven player at his position. That is what A.J. Brown did. A.J. Brown turned Ryan Tannehill from being a quarterback bust who was taken in the first round by the Dolphins to being an above average to good starter who could lead a team to a one seed as the starting quarterback. I understand the offense runs through, you know, Derrick Henry, but A.J. Brown, I think, was part of the reason we saw the growth and development of Ryan Tannehill to become the player he was. So to let him go, I just don't get it. Find a way. Find a way to keep him there. Even if it's a year from now, you got to move on from Ryan Tannehill, then okay, then build around A.J. Brown and a rookie quarterback because Derrick Henry's, you know, older running back. He's not going to be there, you know, for three, four more years probably. He might have two more good years left before they move on. Just find a way to keep him. I, I just don't get it. But in terms of what they did with the draft then, I already shared my thoughts on Traylon Burks. My number two wide receiver, absolutely love him. Uh, I think he's going to be good at the next level. I think he's going to work on some of that and refine some of those things. I think he's eventually going to show he can play outside. Anybody who compared him to DK Metcalf, no idea. They didn't watch the film. Anybody who compared him to Debo Samuel, they didn't watch the film. I understand some of the usage at 
at Arkansas was Debo like, but there's no comparison in terms of the movement skills, the burst. That's all Debo. But Traylon Burks, AJ Brown College, that's the comparison. Can he develop into what AJ Brown became at the NFL? We'll we'll figure it out. Uh, but I think it's a good bet by them to make the investment that they did and trying to replace that with Traylon Burks and Robert Woods. It's possible. It's possible if Rod, Robert Woods is fully healthy that Robert Woods and Traylon Burks give them a better duo wide receiver this upcoming year than what AJ Brown did. Still against the trade, but they stole Robert Woods for like a sixth round pick. If he becomes who he was prior to this year when he was mostly hurt, if he could become a legitimate, back to being a legitimate weapon, you had him and Traylon Burks, they might actually have a better wide receiver core, possibly. It's possible. If Traylon Burks is who I think he could be and Robert Woods is back fully healthy. With that said, I'm one of A.J. Brown's biggest fans. I wouldn't have made the trade. I would have found a way to get the deal done. Uh, but my favorite pick was Burks. Uh, I could also say my second favorite pick was Malik Willis. And he's also the top value pick in this draft. Listen, there's, as I talked about the comparisons to Burks, to A.J. Brown coming out of college, I don't want to hear that there's not some of the same concerns about Malik Willis that there was Josh Allen. I like Josh Allen more coming out of college. And I, you know, I stood on the podium that we have here at Saturday, Sunday and vouched for him. But Malik Willis's same concerns, ball placement, accuracy, reading defenses. Those are some of the same things that we heard about Josh Allen coming out of Wyoming. So yeah, Malik Willis coming out of Liberty, but he's got all the tools. Goes to a perfect spot. I understand Stinks being a third round pick. It's also a scenario where you might never get a real opportunity. They might not because you're a third-round pick. If you're a first-round pick, you're guaranteed to get a chance unless your name's Jordan Love. But now we'll see. I think it's possible in a year to give him a real shot. But I, I love it. At pick 86, there is no risk at pick 86. No risk. If I pick 18 or pick 35, yeah, there would be risk there. There'd be expectations for him to be the guy. I think he could develop into their guy. I really do. I like Malik Willis a lot. I like the Roger McCreary pick, so a lot of favorite picks here. I like the Chico Conquo pick. I like the Kyle Phillips pick. So I literally like the Burks pick, the McCreary pick, the Malik Willis pick, the Chico Conquo pick, the Kyle Phillips pick. I don't even mind the Nicholas Petit Ferrer pick at 69. So I, I like a lot of what they did. I thought they got really good value on Malik Willis. I thought they got a good value on Kyle Phillips. If he would have went round four, it would have been surprising to me. Kyle Phillips could be the starting slot very similar to like a Hunter Renfro is in Vegas. I could see a scenario where it's Robert Woods, Traylon Burks, you know, Kyle Phillips, they're moving these guys around a lot. They're doing different things. Uh, when, when Phillips is not on the field, they push Traylon Burks inside to the slot. Listen, I, I like what they did in this draft. I thought they got some interesting offensive pieces in Aconquo, Kyle Phillips and Traylon Burks. And I think they're hoping like that trio of guys with Robert Woods, can offset the difference of losing the star in AJ Brown. And I think that's what they're kind of banking on. And we'll see, we'll see if it happens. Um, my most, I already talked about the most questionable thing. I didn't love what they did with their last couple of picks in the sixth round, but again, that's nitpicking. Obviously the biggest question mark is trading AJ Brown, not finding a way uh, to make him happy in terms of in this division. Uh, I would say my favorite draft was, Texans, if we're taking into account that the Titans lost A.J. Brown, 
if we're saying just draft picks alone, then the Titans are my favorite. The Texans are my second. But either way, they're one, two. Uh, if we're talking about the loss of A.J. Brown, which I think we have to, then the Texans is my favorite draft. The Titans is my second favorite draft. The Colts is my third. And then the Jaguars rounded out uh, at, in terms of fourth, in terms of what I liked, uh, in terms of what I liked the most, all the way at the top down to the Jaguars. But I, I do think a bunch of teams in this division got better. I think Houston got better. I think Jacksonville brought in some guys that are going to start to help the rebuild there with the new regime in terms of the coaching staff. Uh, and I do think the Colts found some really interesting pieces, especially in the third round there, getting Raymond and Cross. And I like Pierce and I like Woods. So I like a lot of, I like four guys really at the top of that Colts draft a lot as well. So there it is, guys. AFC South in the books. Seven down, one more to go. Uh, hope you're enjoying these guys. I really do like doing these, sharing my thoughts. I do so much prep for the draft. I put so much out there draft weekend, but there's so much great content out there draft weekend. It's so easy to get things lost. And there's also this time to kind of process everything. It's kind of why I wait a week to start getting these out and, and, and share my thoughts collectively on Twitter, because I do think we need a little bit of time to kind of digest everything <clears throat> that happened in the NFL draft and these episodes on the podcast, give me a little bit of opportunity to go a little bit digger deeper uh, and share my thoughts almost on every single pick, but really collectively as, as, a, as a team in each division, what I liked, what I loved, you know, my favorite picks, my value picks, my questionable decision-making uh, gives me an opportunity to kind of share my thoughts across the board on that. So there it is, guys. Another division down. One more to go. If you're enjoying these, please rate, review, subscribe. Go check out the premium content over at Saturday Sunday Football. SS Football is the easiest way to get there. You can still get all the premium content. So much valuable information in that as well that can still help you in your upcoming Debbie Leagues, Dynasty Rookie Drafts, Dynasty Offseason, Dynasty Startups, whatever whatever you might be interested in. The Rankings Notebook could help it out. Uh, 100-player profiles, offensive skill guides in the Scouting Notebook to really learn about these guys who were drafted this year. Uh, draft projections notebook has snapshots on over 400 players to give you a quick synopsis on these guys. Uh, so, so much information in there that could still help you. So please, it's the best way to support the show. We need more people to really check those things out to continue to let us do what we do each and every year for you. So on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nicano and myself, thank you for joining us. And we look forward next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday. <laughs>